we're live. Peter Taunton back on the mic. What's up, my brother? No, so you know what? Good to be back. Good to see you. It's been too long. Way too long. You know, normally we can I can sneak you up to Minnesota for a summer, but I didn't have the music festival this summer. So uh, anyway, I'm back here now for another eight months. And how was good the? To be uh, how was your summer? You did a lot yeah. of traveling. You were all over. I did. You know, I went back out to the lodge in Africa. Carolina and I did, and uh, we we spent a couple of weeks there, and then went to Croatia, which was a real trip. Um, it was it was fun. You know, it's uh, the summer went by fast, as you know they all do up there. Minnesota is so beautiful. As you know, it's so beautiful it's that unreal. time of year. Yeah, so I really enjoyed it. It went by fast, but it's it's good to be back. How'd you choose Croatia? I, I didn't. You know what? Um, Carolina wanted to go there. Neither of us had been there, so we just said, let's let's give it a try. Once a year, we try to go at least one place that we've both never been. And uh, for me, that's fairly easy. Um, but for her, it's a little bit dicier because she, she's traveled more than I have in, in her earlier years. So... But it was fun. Interesting country. Yeah, that's fun. It's a, it's and you're also with Steven. Yeah, Steven Sorry. They're yeah. they're a who. They're they're great. You know what? And St- Steve has been batching it all week because uh, Sorry, I think went back up to, um, up to Columbus. So I haven't seen him. I you know he's like a cat. I I never see him. So. Unless the most random places like down in the lobby. Same. Or I've run into him at such random times. Yeah. He's got such big kid energy. Yeah. He, you know what? He's he's both of those people are number one, easy to travel with, which says a lot about someone. You know what I mean? If you can if you can travel with them, you can do anything with them. And those guys, they're easy. No drama. They get along. Good vibe. Taking that back a second, so if if, you, if someone's easy to travel with, what qualities do they show to make them easy to travel with? Well, for, you know what? I mean, for me, traveling is you got to learn to roll with, you know, unforeseen. If every time you feel like you're getting blindsided, if that rocks your world, I don't care if you're traveling in business or with anything in life. You know, some people, if something out of plan comes up abruptly, they tend to freak out. Those guys, they're like, well, you know what? That's that's how it is. We're gonna we'll, we'll we'll pivot from here. And and Carolina and I are the same way. You know what? Life is short. I try to, I try to control the drama where I can. But some things you just can't. And I don't. I I normally don't like to add to the drama if yeah. I can. Dealing with the adversity, because so much weird stuff happens when you're traveling. That's out of your control. Out of your control. You got to be adaptable. Right. Cancel flights. You know, Uber doesn't show up. Miss this. Miss that. You think you have tickets, you don't have tickets, you got scammed. I mean, you know, any of it, it's all there. It's said that you shouldn't, you don't know if you should really be with someone until you actually do travel with them. You know what? There's some, there's some truth in that too. And you know, and even with Carolina and I, she'll, she'll kill me for saying this, but we were kayaking and um, just a, 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 a week prior, I gave her this tennis bracelet, okay? Diamond tennis, tennis bracelet, beautiful. And, you know, those kind of things, normally people, they don't take them off. And, you know, she, she, she loved it and she lost it kayaking, <laughs> you know, and she's like, oh shit, you know, my, where's my tennis bracelet? And, you know, it was gone. And on those things, I just, once again, I just said, okay, it's gone. It's gone. Next. It's, you know what? It's not coming back. It's, she lost it in, you know, the, the, the ocean. It's not coming back. So hang in our head about it. Let's not bum out about it it's, it's it's gone it's not coming back this we'll one t- this one time when i was in nicaragua we were uh, just jumping in doing a little bit of uh, free diving yeah and this was in san juan del sur and my friend 
dropped his iPhone in the water. And <laughs> you, you drop your iPhone in the water, the phone is gone for good. Somehow, three days later, a diver was in the area, found the phone. It was in a waterproof case, opened it up, contacted him while he was still in the area, Man. and gave the phone back. Is that not How crazy unbelievable? Is that? that is almost unbelievable. It's right? unbelievable. And you see the video of the phone getting flopped in the water. He must have. He must have. I mean, that. I love hearing stories like that. It's a, I had a, a good buddy of mine, my partner in my lodge in Africa, he lost his phone off the back of a truck in the bush. I mean, and these roads are not even gravel roads. It's like a, it's like two, it's like a cow trail. Okay. And I'll be damned if someone didn't find it and, and got it back to him. Right. And how they did it. It's just so remote. They took it to the lodge and here's his phone literally like, like two, three days later, I said, Wow, that is some good karma. Yeah, right and there. there's apparently iPhones are waterproof or water resistant, or they say they're waterproof. But yeah. I still won't. You won't find me sticking my phone in the water. Yeah, like no, that. that's me, me <laughs> neither. I'm not going to do that. And his, you know, obviously tumbled out of the truck down, you know, down a, a, a ditch into grass, and some guy <laughs> found. It. I mean, I don't know how they do it, but I love it when I hear stories like that. I love when you talk about the lodge because yeah. you know, number one, that your main guy there that that helps run it, and the story yeah. of how you met him and just yeah. the genuine connection, the genuine relationship that you built with him during such the trial and crazy time yeah. that came when you were going to lose the lodge and you had your partner and you explained this on the last podcast. And yeah. it's so cool to see that you get to enjoy this, essentially, you know, this, this being that you helped create and you get to go there and just, you know, stick yourself in there for a little bit and just enjoy it. And that's, you know what, what a blessing to be in a place to be able to have a front row seat to that. His, his name is Malau, you know, just a, a boy out of this really primitive Maasai village that you could make a, a change in his life that will end up being a legacy, I'm sure, for him and his family. He's the first person in his lodge or first person from his village to ever have a formal education. Think about that. I mean, of generations. And now he's a he he runs our our lodge in 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 Africa in the Serengeti, big step for him. And he's gone on to further his education, as being a guide, and he's one of the best guides of all of Tanzania. So, it's a big deal. What do you think are like the the major sort of character traits that he has that allowed him to rise up to the occasion to become the the guy that's running this entire lodge coming from nothing? I think it's a great question. And I think for him, there's two things, clearly ambition, but I think the coming from nothing and being so thankful for every opportunity and every, every, even, you know, you got milestones, but then I always suggest that you create small little milestones. So you have breadcrumbs, right? So you can go back and really reflect on what she'd been able to accomplish. So for him, every little milestone is a big deal, big deal in the eyes of his village. And then the other side of it is the pressure now, because now you are the guy. Okay. And if you're that guy, then there's, and most of the pressure is self-inflicted, but people expect greatness out of that. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know, him in the village, if you're in a company, what, whatever your lay of the land may be, if you've historically done great things, people expect great things from you, okay? Because they don't, 
they don't expect expect you to slack if that makes any right. any sense and for him i think that his it's his ambition and it's his um his his drive his 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 probably a little bit of fear of failure he, yeah. he's very he's very protective of what he's accomplished with his village he owns it which i think is notable right i mean he used to say yeah you know what i'm just, i'm very fortunate i get all that but on the other side of him i pull him aside and say look we met for a reason but everything you've done you've earned don't slight yourself you don't have to you've earned it yeah i was at the right place at the right time i saw you across that fire in the middle of the freaking night and we made a connection you know that doesn't happen you're not here this story doesn't end the way it does right so you own it. It was hard work. It was grit and all of those great qualities you you deserve. All the, you deserve all the fruits of that effort. It's interesting that you reference the village to a company. So it's almost like when you're running a company, it may be almost like you're running this village, you know, making sure everyone's putting in their, their work. It's, it's all relative, brother, right? <laughs> I mean, everybody's got their own world. Every, everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their own stuff. They're going through it. Some, some have different degrees of things, but look, we all, you know, it's life is tough and life is full of challenges. Life is full of unpredictability. And I think the older you get, you, you learn to deal with adversity and you learn to really understand that don't sweat the things that you can't control. Yeah. And that's, that is a great lesson to learn because you can't control what people say and you can't control some of the actions of people. You've just got to you just got to know who you are, be comfortable in your own skin and keep pressing, do the right thing. Well, something I've always admired about you is that you thrive under pressure and you like basically I don't know if you if you like it, but you you embrace it. And throughout your journey of, of building Snap Fitness and now working with Nautical Bulls and the team there, you've always really took it right on the chin and really wore it. And uh, I remember you mentioning that there are many times that you've been in a situation where, you know, you're writing checks to employees and you weren't even sure if they could potentially cash. Yeah. And, you know, deep, deep inside, you're running around like a crazy person panicking. But on the edge, you're 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 making it happen. And you mentioned that when you're in that type of situation, you know, you want to play the big leagues. You also play the big league problems. If you fail you know, you become the talk of the town of the person that fails. But if you sure. succeed, you become that person that can can help provide for the village. Yeah. What, if, what are some of the things you've learned from that? Well, I've learned this. I, I mean, obviously, the, you know, the um, the nervousness and um, stress that comes with unpredictability. It's um, it, it comes with the turf and it's self-inflicted. I mean, honestly, there's times when you when you you look up and say, "What am I doing? Why am why am I back in this again? Why am I back in the soup?" Right? Because you've you've had some you know nice events along the way, some liquidity events, and you don't have to be here. And and but it's it's just you know it's it's that hunger that you have of always showing up every day with some purpose, something that gets you out of bed, other than golfing, fishing, or whatever it might be, whatever your jam is. For me, I've always been raised, and I think I got this from my father, is just showing up every day in a good way, trying to make an impact in people's life in a positive way. And for me, I think that my gift is analyzing business and, and trying to create a business or a dynamic around a business that will have relevance and bring consumer demand and hopefully profitability. When you can do those things, you empower other people to 
to, 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 to thrive and, and chase their own dream, if you will. So for me, that's been a rewarding journey. It's not always easy. I mean, the times that we're in right now is a very tough economic time because you've got inflation. I mean, I heard a statistic the other day. In, 2000, in 2022, if you made $100,000 a year, Today, that same person would have to make $112,000 to have the same spending capacity, okay? So it's very difficult. So what's, what's happening today? Consumer is holding on to their discretional spend much tighter. So I see it across my industry and many of the other industries that I'm affiliated with where you've got this consumer you know, tightening of the belt, the financial belt, if you will. Plus, you've got interest rates now that have you know, up. 30%, you know, up, you know, at least three full points from where they were even a year ago. All of those things add to the stress of a business. When you add stress to a business, you add stress to the business man or woman. And those people being new into business can be very volatile. You know, they're, they're, they're mad, they're frustrated because they're in an, they're in a place where they've never been. And for some of them, it feels like they took a dive in the deep end of the pool, <laughs> right? I mean, and it is for them. And I have to empathize with them and say, look, this is being an entrepreneur. And as, as, as unfortunate it is, calling yourself an entrepreneur is easy. But being successful at being an entrepreneur, that takes work. That takes grit. That takes moments like this where you've literally got to roll up your sleeves and say, fuck it, I am going in. I am, I am not going to fail. I'm going to work. And, and that's where you lose people right there because it's not for everyone. Something Steve was telling me is that a lot of these big businesses, cause Steve is a financial planner, uh, helps with big transitioning when people are selling their companies and things of that nature. He says that a lot of these, these guys that are like the CEO or the founders of these companies actually live very modestly. Mm -hmm. Like they, they live very cheap. They live in like a small little, you know, condo, you'd expect them to live in this giant mansion, but many of them are used to just having nothing because everything they do, yeah. they put into the business. It's interesting that when you think about people like that, that are putting everything into it, like they don't see themselves like that because they're just like a worker bee. They're yeah. in the trenches and they don't ever reap that honey until they end up having a li liquid event. You know, what's funny is believe it or not, I'm a little bit like that. I, I operate from a place of paranoia. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, think about it. I, I do. I always think, when is the other shoe going to fall? Why is my life so great? What did I ever do to deserve all of this? So I keep like, that's it. And growing up with very little and scrapping for everything, it just, it just, what it just, that's what it bred in me. And it, Help me. I used it as fuel. I mean, honestly, growing, trying to grow my first business or even when I was playing racquetball back in my racquetball days, I made a point to play like I would, I made a, a diligent effort to play every day. And you know why I said, if I'm not working on my game every day, if I'm not, if I'm not going to be the best, if I'm not going to show up on the court with my best stuff, Somebody else is going to, there's some other person out there who's training and working and doing everything. So that's why with my twin brother and I, that we, we played at such a high level, we, we both had that mindset and I attribute it to our upbringing. Like a healthy paranoia almost. For sure. And I, and I segued that from the court into the business 
you know, my business environment and, and I still have it today where I, you know, I have no reason to have that feeling, but it's just inbred in me and I own it. It's okay. You know, I own, I own that part of my behavior. Right. Healthy paranoia is an interesting thing because it also keeps you on your edge. Because there's always that fear. I mean, even sometimes on a more micro level, I fear that if I have a day where I just do nothing, I get nervous yeah. and anxious almost. Yeah. I need to do something every day. I'd rather do something every day, but also chill a little bit every day versus yeah. just take a week off. Do you ever, yeah. are you good at that? Are you good at taking no. a week off of work? No, I'm, I'm horrible at it. And I tell you what, you know, the paranoia piece of it, it can raise havoc in your relationship. You know, my, my lovely fiance, Carolina. She's the best. She is the best. Shout out Carolina. And she puts up with me and she doesn't understand me sometimes she's starting to get it after three years get an understanding but she she still thinks you know when I'm working why are you working as hard as you do she goes you're the hardest hardest working person I know which is not I don't it's not a compliment right <laughs> it's not a compliment and hardest working person I know and she doesn't quite get it but I say look you know this next venture that I do this will be after this I am going to slow down. I say that all the time, but it's, um, you know, you're not used to going half throttle and that, that's a problem. So I'm still kind of working through that with her. The paranoia can be a good thing because it keeps you driven, but in other ways it can, it can raise havoc within your personal life because the, the people that don't quite understand you think that you're more, you care more about the business than you do them. And the business is just a thing. It's just something that I do. You know, but you are, you know, you're my, you're my thing. You're my life. You're where I spend more time with you than anyone else. You know, that's, you're so happy with her. It's awesome. Man. Yeah. No, she's great. She's great. She's, I she's I so totally, good for you. I outpunted my coverage for I'm, sure. I'm very grateful that I got to see that from the beginning and, uh, <laughs> you two are amazing. And yeah. we're in the whoop gang going on. Yeah, strong. that's right. I, I took mine off, but I wear it for my sleep. Just try to track my sleep. I'm a horrible sleeper and I don't know why it drives me crazy, but it's a, I'm a you're going to have to figure out a way to wear it. Like you're going to put it on your ankle or something. Yeah. I normally wear it during the day. I just, I just didn't want to wear it for this interview. Oh, excuses. Right? right. So for everyone that doesn't understand myself, Peter and Carolina are in a whoop uh, team, a community. And I personally love whoop. I think it's one of the greatest. I, I just think the wearable industry is amazing. Yeah. Who knows if, if constant Bluetooth being attached to our body is just eliminating our lives faster. But there's a lot of things that like I found out scented candles are terrible for us now. How about it? Right. Yeah, it's, damn. And I loved it. <laughs> like the holidays, I'm always torching those uh, Christmas candles, it's you know, the with the smell like a net, like a pine tree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm t- torching them all the time. And now. also sunscreens are like terrible for you. Apparently now. Right. I, I could like literally I'm 50. Every time I go out there, I put my 50 on spray yeah. it everywhere. So, so all the good shit, you know, right. you know, we got to be careful, but it's interesting that health is so important. And, I've learned so much about my body just recently. So I've had like a sore throat for way too long. I went to the doctors. They said I'm fine. And every time I tell my, my dude friends that I set myself up for a joke, it sucks. And uh, I, I tell my, uh, I, I, I went to the doctor. They said I'm fine. And I still have this like raspiness in my throat and I don't know what's going on. And just recently, starting five days ago, I, I was waking up at 3 a.m. every day. Like I'd wake up at three and I couldn't go back to bed till like five. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, what's going on? Right. So my friend, Mike Parzak, my chiropractor, naturopath friend, he said he looks up if there was a full moon recently and there just so happened to be the harvest moon, which is apparently a big old moon. And what happened is it turns out that I likely have parasites. (laughs) 
Shut the front door. My name's Ian, and I have parasites. Oh my god! <laughs> and what ha- they awaken during full moons, because like the amoebas or whatever you want to call them, worms for lack of a better word, are inside of you, and they're like they wake you up, and that's like really scary and sketchy. But you can get parasites easily. You go to yeah. a third world country, you drink the water, yeah. you eat like raw sushi. So how do you get rid of them? That's a bigger question. So I mean, I'm drinking some like real nasty stuff. It's called a wormwood. It's like uh, come on. It's called black walnut. You. uh uh, apple cider vinegar, you know, taking cloves of garlic, mincing them, putting them in like a little spoon and like downing them just straight whole garlic is pretty good. It helps eliminate a lot of that stuff. Really? Um, so I've been going balls to the wall. But anyway, I woke up and it was three in the morning and I'm just like, what? why? Do, what is this? So I look up. Why do I wake up? You have insomnia. OK, how do I solve insomnia? How to solve insomnia? Number one, start doing a light stretch. Number two. Um, go out and write down all of the things that are on your mind as a to-do list for the next day. So I did those two things and it actually did kind of make me feel better. Right. And I was wondering because, you know, I'm currently on this adventure with cigars.com. You know, you've been an amazing mentor. You Steve, like all of the people that you've introduced me to this community, this brotherhood we have has been so valuable and it's, it's stressful, right? I mean, it's, yeah. you're running a business. It's, there's timelines, there's deadlines. You know, I, I do a lot of other things. Um, what do you do to control stress? You know, it started off with just one gym back in the day when you had to fire everyone and start yeah. cleaning that stuff. But yeah. what do you do now today when you do hit that crazy? How do you keep that straight face when you're screaming inside? Well, look, um, it, takes, it takes a lot of practice because... Honestly, if, if people, if you're in a leadership position and your employees are looking at you freak out, that's not good. I mean, so you've, you've got you've to gotta remain calm, collective, even if you are full of anxiety inside and have sleepless nights. You have to. It's just there's no option. Other, otherwise, you're not leading. You're just part of a consensus group, right? So for me, getting up every day and working out in the morning first thing it clears my head and, and it sets my course for the day. I've always done that. Um, but then more importantly, you know, stress is a mindset. It truly is. And just understanding the things that I can control, understanding the things that are happening as a result of something that I did or something that I didn't do. So I got to look at those things. And if that's adding stress, I got to figure out a resolution to the, the, the strategic move that was made or whatever it might be because there's cause and effect on any decision that you make in business for the most part, okay? Some of them are great. Some of them are not so great. And you've got to learn from all of them. And, you know, I always say people that are very successful, if you ask them where, the, where all the learning took place, they'll tell you. If they're going to be honest with you, they're going to tell you, hey, look, no question, it came from the road rash, okay? It came from those moments of strife and unpredictability or, or you know, tough economics, whatever it might be, because what did I have to do there? There, I had to pull back on the reins. I had to take a step back, and I had to make calculated moves, okay? I couldn't just go with the flow. I always say anyone can run a company with the wind at your back. How are you in times of unpredictability, tough business environment? That's, that is where someone's true character is measured, in, in my opinion. It's interesting when you think about the jungle, if we compare it to, uh, there's this amazing photographer in the world called Chaz Jung. I've been trying to get him on the podcast. He's agreed many times, but we just haven't been able to figure it out. He's 
unbelievable. He's the guy behind all those insane Jaguar and like, like yeah. uh, black Jaguar shots on Nat Geo and all that stuff. Wow. And there was this image they showed of this this uh, giant cut on this cat. And it was just this gaping wound. And then they showed it three years later, the same cat. And they saw that it that completely healed. And it just talks about how scars are lessons that teach you in oh, life. For sure. And it's sure. interesting because it seems like as a business owner, that's what it is. It's the more scars you, you wield or these memories just makes you more resilient and stronger because you've seen it before. Yeah. You've been there and you've gotten to the other side. Yeah, it's it's so true. And look, I, I, know, I know there are many people that have gone in and ran companies and the companies were established and they just kind of went in and they went with the flow. Okay, they went with the flow. They didn't, they didn't have to get real creative because the business has been very established, second, third generation family business. They didn't think outside the box. They just go with the flow of the business. And they did that for a period of time and before they, they move on, there's a liquidity event or something happens. That's one side of it. I appreciate that. But the people that really get the respect from me are the ones that are coming in. Either they're starting a business and they've taken it from an idea and taken it to something great. That's a whole different caliber and character of entrepreneur, okay? Because you've got to be a little bit of a Navy SEAL. You've got to have unbelievable, um, you know, stamina for one. I mean, mental and physical stamina um, to, get, to get through it. And then the other piece of it I love is when people can take an idea, grow a company, and then know when to step away and bring in other leadership because they can look within themselves and say, look, you know, I think I've taken this as far as I can. And it doesn't mean they have to sell the company. They just step back and they bring in fresh blood, new leadership, and they play kind of an advisor from an arm's length. And then they take it to another level. Think about how difficult that would be to get out of your, out of your way. Some people have so much hubris, they can't, they can't leave that. They've got so much pride. They look at it as a failure. I look at it and saying, man, that strategic brilliance that you had, that unselfishness for not just yourself, but for the hundreds of families that you employ, you know, that where this is their bread and butter, it's such an unselfish play. So yeah. when I hear of things like that, I really respect the, the strategic initiative and the move that they've done. Is there a specific time in your career that you might have seen yourself not have thought that way? Um, I didn't I, because I don't, I don't, I didn't have that quality to be honest with you. I didn't, um, you know, and there's probably sometimes when I, when I could have, but I, I didn't, I didn't do it. Um, and I always had a, did a, a, a great job of growing companies and growing businesses, but as you have the benefit of hindsight, okay, which isn't really fair because with hindsight, man, you have perspective, right? Because you you know how, how where you are today and where, where could have you gone. So it's really not a fair assessment. But for me, I've I've never had a situation where I've been put in a place to do that. You know, when I left when I left Lyft Brands as an example as a CEO. It was, it was, I, it, I was ready to go. I had been there for 20 years and, and I really, I wanted to do other things. I'm still on the board of the company, but I'm, you know, I'm not doing any of the day-to-day -day stuff. So for me, I, I don't really count that as, is one of those transitions. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And then you transitioned though, from what I think is fascinating is how you, you know, annihilated and did this amazing work in the fitness industry with snap fitness, 3,600 plus locations around the world. 
and franchising became your bread and butter. You know, yeah. you're the god of franchising. You know how to do it better than anyone. And uh, you got involved in the acai bowl space with nautical bowls. Yeah. And uh, I remember they started with two flagship stores. Right. And you guys have since scaled to how many stores? We've got we've awarded a hundred about one hundred ninety territories, and we've got fifty eight open. So it's good. We're opening three to five stores a month. So it's got a good pace. It's got a good pace, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a challenging environment out there, but it's, you can't, you can't knock it. Look, you know what? It's a, it's a, a great brand. It's a great product and um, it's, it's relevant. You know, when you look at what the consumer is looking for today, that plant-based gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free made with organic or all natural ingredients, that's right in the wheelhouse of what people are looking for. They're so good. They, they are, they're fantastic. And, and, and that's, and that's why people keep coming back. Yeah. And the found, the other founders too are just such great people. Yeah, they are good, good Christian down salt to the earth people. They're really, really a, a cute young couple. They've got three small kids now, three kids. I think they're four and under three kids, four and under. Yeah. Pretty it's crazy. interesting that character goes into such a long play with, doing business with people yeah and i've learned it a lot from watching what you've done and speaking with different individuals i've learned a lot with partnering with matt you, you've met yeah. matt with yeah. cigars yes it's like if you work with someone that you just truly believe in their character they're yeah. like genuine good people you know they're not cheating on their wife they're you yeah. know they're honorable they're just being they're showing levels of of empathy and understanding those type yeah. of people are just amazing and you can trust them. And in this world, you can't afford not to be able to trust the people you work with. Yeah, no. And, and that's, you know, my decision to come on board with, with nautical bowls, that was the decision. I mean, if they were, if Rachel and Bryant were, were a couple of flaky individuals, I, I wouldn't have done it because the brain damage in doing it would have been, it would not have been worth it for me. So that's what first intrigued me about them. I mean, they called me out of the blue just said, look, we've heard a lot about you, read about you, and we live two miles from you. Can we come over? I love that initiative in its own right. And then literally the next day they were by in my office at, at the lake house and, and we were just, you know, three people having a conversation. And from there very quickly evolved into we're going to be partners and we're going to, you know, convert this to a franchise. Yeah. It worked out. They've been, they've been great. Um, and, you know, Bryant's very involved with the company on the operational side. Rachel dabbles a little bit in the in the marketing side, but she's obviously busy with the three kids being, you know, little little shavers. Yeah, I remember you had uh, they were frozen, and then we unfroze them for the festival, and they yeah. were still phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I get them. You know, I keep them frozen. We we we've got a store in Pinecrest here, so we have a promotion: buy four get one free. I keep them in my freezer, so. Whenever I'm in that area, I go by five. I put them in my freezer. That's what I snack on. That, that's my, my eight o'clock at night snack. Yeah. Something you told me once that was relevant to our work with cigars is that we were, I was telling you that I was in a situation where I was trying to get essentially like exclusive um, distribution with a certain element of our business. And I wanted to be like the only per person that they can sell that's the, a certain product to. I'm trying to like keep it ambiguous. Um, but, and, and you were telling me, you were like, look, you have to think about it from their perspective. Like these business owners that are also suppliers that are also running their own business. Like it would be silly for them to just give you all of their business and not keep 
an open mind to other type of opportunities. And you've shown that with getting certain costs of goods sold down yeah. um, and being able to navigate that space. What are some of the lessons you've learned with trying to get you know the best bang for your buck with specific ingredients and specific supplies when working on this massive scale of all these franchises? Well, look, a, a year ago, our food costs at, was 45%, which is insane. So looking at the volume that we're doing and the trajectory of stores opening, I, I realized that I had to do something. 45% food cost doesn't work. You just, the numbers don't work at that, at that level. So today our food cost is 32%, but by the end of first quarter, I'll have it down to 25%. And it's purely, you know, I hate to say it, but it's flexing with vendors. For me, I say, look, I don't think there's anyone that buys more sorbet than me. And for that, I want more favorable pricing. And here's what I'll do in return. I'll give you my commitment. And the margins are going to be skinny. And I know that doesn't feel good. But with the sheer volume that I'm going to bring to you, it's going to lower your, your cost to produce. So you're going to make more margin on your other clients by the sheer volume that you get from me, just from the throughput. And... You can put it on all the spreadsheets you want. You, you can't, you, it's not deniable. You can't right? beat the math. You, you can't, right. You, the math doesn't lie. And so in doing that, as long as you give them the commitment, you can't be a snake about it. Look, you got to say, look, if you can produce the product and it's quality and you hit your delivery times, if you do everything that you say you're going to do, I'll do what I'm going to do, which is give you the volume commitment. And those partnerships that I've been able to, to, to create have, have worked out you know, very, very well for our company. Naturally, you need to have an ambitious supplier on the other end too that sees it. He's got to see it because I, I tell you what, I always tell people, care for what you wish for because we'll go through over 300,000 gallons of sorbet this year, right? People love that volume, but care for what you wish for. Don't, don't commit to something if you can't hit my delivery times because my store is running out of sorbet is like a bakery running out of flour or sugar. It can't ever happen. So we're, th this is going to end very abruptly if you can't deliver on your promise. So you got to be very stern and, and lay the groundwork and make sure that they're going to make an investment in you. They're going to have the inventory levels where they need to be. So if anything comes up where they get blindsided, we've got 90 days of supply where we can pivot, do what we need to do. Being prepared for a disaster. Be, be prepared because look, running out of product can't happen. It's just, how do, you, how do you prevent that from happening? Keep a supply you know, on the sidelines. And that's, as long as they understand that, they don't like that either because now they've got money tied up in inventory, which is costing them money. So they got to factor that into the big picture. So it's not as easy as sitting down, two guys having coffee, and you hammer it out in an afternoon. It's literally, there's a lot of back and forth. But, you know, the, the, the word I liked early on, flexing, you know, you got to flex. I don't like being a bully, but I know what I bring to the party, and I know the value that's there, and that comes from 35 years of business experience. Yeah, and that confidence being able to walk into that room and explain and essentially teach the vendor what mm -hmm. they need to know, which also helps them and it helps you together. You grow together, you command that experience. It happens all the time. And look, it's, it's interesting. And I'm, and I'm definitely not the smartest one in the room, but I tell you what, when I suggest something to somebody and they say no, and then I'll tell them, and I'm always very candid, you know, I'm a bit of a cowboy at heart. And 
I tell them, look, I was hoping you'd take this differently, but let me tell you why I would do this deal. Cause I wouldn't bring a deal to you that I wouldn't do myself. And then I lay it out for them. Right. And, and sometimes laying it out through a narrative that now they can grasp and they see that Seeing look it from their eyes and see it. And then they look at it and they say, okay, well, you know, now that you put it that way, it's not that it goes without risk because we're both, I'm risking in you that you're going to produce the product. That's my risk. And you're risking in me that I'm going to commit to the volume that I'm laying in front of you. Mm. We have to trust each other. And this is a partnership. So, you know, those were, those are words that I don't take lightly or throw around loosely. It's look, this is a partnership and this could be a great partnership formed right here today. And yeah. they, you know, they, when you can resonate with people and they can feel your passion for what you're doing, it, that's where the magic starts. It's also a bit concerning in those situations because you don't want someone to feel like they're a winner or a loser. Cause then the naturally the ego is going to get in the way. Yeah. And you know, that's a great point in that sometimes dynamics change. Sometimes people get into a situation and then their cost of goods goes up. You've got a contract here and you want them to honor the contract. And if they honor the contract, they're out of business. So that's where the savvy entrepreneur needs to understand where they're coming from. They got to validate what they're saying is true. Okay. But if you get to that place, then the savvy entrepreneur is going to sit down and say, okay, look, you want me to give you a get out of jail free card. I get it, but you're going to have to give something back to me at some point. So somewhere in between those lines lies where you settle, but just squeezing a guy, squeezing him out of a business when it's a second, third generation family business, because you're not talking about 50,000 tubs you're talking about you're probably taking 30 or 40 percent of the capacity of the line it's a big deal for them okay you got to be respectful of exactly the weight you're throwing around don't be loosey-goosey okay it's and i see that too often people don't understand the magnitude of the deal that's just gone down yeah it's it's almost like with working out as well being respectful of the weight you're throwing around mm -hmm. you know so many people uh, when you're younger, when you're in your early 20s and you're just trying to like pump up and lift a lot of weight because you just want to be the jacked cool dude and then you get injured. And then when you get older, you start realizing like maybe like lifting super heavy is not the play. Maybe it's more consistency. How do you correlate, you know, your experience? Because you've always been a fit guy in the yeah. gym with, you know, that type of lesson. Well, look, you know, just consistency is everything. But for me, I've had this weird workout that I've done for literally 20 some years. Is that the one where you stand on the half ball? No, I do, do that. The, that's the just, that's just for good balance and core work. But, um, I do one, I work my full body every day and I do one set to failure. Okay. One. So think about that. I do. My workout is 30 minutes of cardio and then one set for every body part to failure and it works. It works for me. You know what I mean? It works for me. So you'll just rip like a bunch of pull-ups. Yeah. Rip like some pull -up. I do them to curls. failure and my, my range I'll do from, I'll do 17. My, my, my personal best is 22, but legit pull-ups, you know, forward handed, you know, legit pull-ups. And so I, I usually land 16 to 22, depending on what I'm feeling. Some days I feel great. Some days I feel heavy. You know, it, yeah. that's just how it is. And standing on the BOSU 
just helps with the core. I add another dimension to it. So if I'm doing buys or tries or squats or, you know, any of that stuff, I incorporate a BOSU because it adds another element of balance and core work to it. Yeah. Something me and Sky talk about all the time is it's, uh, every day we wake up now, if you don't go to the gym, it just feels like something's off, right? You know, it, they say going to the gym is 50% of the battle and then working out the other 50%. Yeah. But just taking a day off feels weird, feels bad. And I'm not like a super jacked, like stoked in one day. I will be, but you know, no, you guys are in great shape, you know, but the thing is, is like, we, we have adopted this lifestyle because, you know, Sky lives with me. So we were, we're naturally, we're eating a lot. Um, like, like the same types of food and doing that, but it's interesting, like not going to the gym gives anxiety. Once you yeah. get into that habit that you, you just can't not go. And it's interesting back in the day because it used to be so hard for me to go. And now my brain has shifted to how is it's hard to not go. And that's a, you know what, what a great habit to form. If you had to form one, that would be probably one of the best. Right. And you know, the key as you get, as you get older is just to consistent consistency in everything is a good thing consistency and good habits right so being consistent but then when when your body is hurting then you know pivot your workout a little bit yeah. you know don't don't work through it that's your body telling you something you know something's strained something's a little bit off it's okay just give it a break for a few workouts and then go go back to it and it's interesting that when you think about life and being a, like an entrepreneur and living in Miami, it's awesome because there's so many people that are just out here hustling. Right. So much energy. You go to Moxie's, you don't know who you're going to meet. You could be chilling next to PT. hundred you know, percent. You just don't know. Right. And, uh, but people that are in shape, I feel like that's one of those few things that you can control. Right. Right. Your business could go out of business. Like you could never make it, but you could always be trying, but you can always, you command your own body yeah. and people that, are able to have fitness in their life. I think without even question, like it goes back to just straight, you know, primitive tribal stuff. Like they get more respect and they get taken yeah. more seriously when they, they give them the word, you know, I'm, I completely agree. What I find interesting is when you see someone who's in shape and even people that have, have great genetics, there's still a level of work and accountability that needs to go with that. Okay. Cause you can't, you'll never out, out exercise a bad diet. So you know that they've got some eating, um, they had a, a, a chokehold on their eating habits. They've got their workouts handled. But what I find interesting is when they have that in check, but then they don't, they have the, the other side of the equation, which is a big deal. They don't have their personal life. They don't have their finances in line. They haven't, they haven't taken that same discipline and accountability that they use in the gym and applied it to their work environment. And that to me, I got to scratch my head and say, look, dude, you've got to, what you're doing there is great, but that's not going to pay the bills. That's not going to pay the lifestyle that you want. And I see it all the time. People, they want this great lifestyle. They look buffed. The only thing keeping them from true happiness is a thick wallet, right? And they won't make the play. They're not ready to make that commitment. So what does that commitment look like? It's maybe... Maybe you're not going out to the clubs as much, okay? You can't do, you can't even create your side hustle because you're too busy flexing on war, your, your wardrobe, your tire. You want everyone to think that you just absolutely made it, but you're broke. You're one check away from being broke. And I see this all the time and I work with, you know, sad to say, a lot of people that are in that place. And I said, look, you got to let go of that piece 
and we got to come up with a plan where you're going to be able to squirrel away some money on the sideline, which means you're going to have to pull back on some things that you think are, are necessities and their, their wants. Okay. I'm not saying that you got to be a hermit, but we got to restructure some things because you're not saving money. You're spending it as fast as you're making it. And if it didn't bother you, it wouldn't bother me, but you're coming, you're here talking to me today. Right. Because it's bothering you. Yeah. You think you're stuck. You're not stuck. You're just, you lack, you lack the plan. And I'm telling you that same discipline that you have going to the gym every day and working out and eating clean, that same discipline, keep that and now just apply that to the other side of your life. And you're going to start seeing rewards for that effort. You're not that far from it. You just don't have a plan. You think it's just going to happen. You think somebody's just going to come along and this opportunity is going to get thrown in your lap. You're going to wake up one day, my friend. You're going to be 40 years old and you're going to be like, what the fuck? Right? Yeah. It happens. It happens. 30 and then you're 35 and then you're 40. Okay? And it happens just that fast. And you're like, man, I'm a failure. No. First of all, 40 is the old 25. Okay. So you're, you're not, you're not a failure. You just lost. So let's get that in check. Let's, let's get a feel for what do you want to do? Who do you want to be? How do you want to show up? How do you, where do you want to go? What is through your lens? You tell me what does success look like? And if you tell me, well, you know, I want to be, you know, a multi multi-millionaire. Okay. That's great. That's ambitious. But today you've got $462 in the bank. So let's just, let's come up, let's take some baby steps. We're going to get there. Our first goal is we're going to try to save 20,000 this year. And then that 20,000 becomes, micro you know, goals. you got it because I say this all the time and you need to have some breadcrumbs because that, that first 50 grand that you save, I promise you, I mean, and I've said this before, but it's the truth. The, and I, and I don't take this the wrong way, but the time it takes for you to say, to make a million dollars, to save a million. Like when you have a million dollars in the bank, I promise you the second million is exponentially easier. And when people say, yeah, the more you have, the, the, the easier it is to make it. There's some truth in it, but what people don't understand, it's the, it's the, the mindset and the great discipline that you had to get there that have now practiced. You said it earlier, you guys go into the gym. Now you feel guilty you don't go to the gym, yeah. <laughs> okay? That just comes natural for you. So the idea of getting in and making one bad life decision after another, yeah. pretty soon you're saying, no, dude, we're, we're done with this, you know, this, this bad choices after another, then wondering why we're still here. Yeah, and you, on that you topic, me? you also posted something that I loved, and it, you talked about the idea that there's no shame in going off the grid for six months and just grinding. Look, do what you got to do. You don't, I tell people, you know what? Damn. And I hate being the bearer of bad news to some people, but look, you're, you're not, you don't want it bad enough because you're still doing what you're doing. We've had this conversation and you're still doing what you're doing. Yeah, you might have, you've got, may have gotten better in a couple of different areas, but you're still, you're still not in the game. You're still, your headspace is still not where it needs to be. So until you wake up one day and you go, okay, now, now I am sick of it until you get to that place. And if it takes going off the grid, but for people, you know, going off the grid sucks. So I try to help people find another grid, 
okay that maybe you know maybe it's biking balance maybe it's going biking over by the park so you feel like you're still out there you know especially you know young dudes in their 30s and you know they they have they they not as far as they'd like to be going off the grid they're like hey dude i'm single i'm i i'm i've got to go out okay Let's figure out where we're going to go. Where are we going to get that feeling like we're still in the game where we can still wink at girls and, you know, interact <laughs> and see them. It's part of it. Right. Because that, that's how that's how men are. Not all men, but guys like us, that's how we are. I can't, I'm, I'm not going to stay inside and be a hermit. That, the, what sure. fun is that? Well, it's interesting to be in a world and in a, in a, like my, my thing is, is I'm trying to orchestrate a life that my business takes me to those cool experiences. You right know on. what I mean? Yeah. Look, you've done an unbelievable job since the day that I've met you. You know, you're one of the coolest cats I know. And you're always you're always doing things, you know, you're in the cigar business. Yeah, I'm going to do this cigar business. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Because I didn't understand it. Here you are now. you got a full-blown cigar business, right? Seeing you got your cigar room over there. It's jamming. Now you're, you're etching private labeling and doing all this cool stuff. And that, that, that same mindset, that same practice and that same vision can, can carry itself into so many other things and it will carry itself into so many things because you're going to have perspective, you're going to have experience. So when the next thing comes along, you and I don't know what it is, but believe me, being 61, I see, I, when I look back at my journey and I see how things have come into place and where, where my opportunities reside they reside because i see them and i go chase the opportunity if that makes sense Mm -hmm. i see the opportunity it's right there i know what i need to do hey come over here this is what i would do you want to be partners i love that yeah well you told me something when we were playing pickleball once and uh i hadn't really told you too much about the cigar business but i asked you what you would do if you were me and you said if i were you what i would do is instead of raising money what i would do is i would contact all of the different distrib- uh, different uh, promotional marketing companies that do promo gear and i'd build a partnership and get them to sell your product so that night like literally like like out of a movie <laughs> i made a list of 100 people yeah and just started dialing started calling started cold calling and eventually became part of this organization called asi advertising specialty institute mm-hmm and it has been a game changer for us. Right on. And now we have like a team of 100 reps that all know our products and yep. they're always constantly recommending them to, to clients. And it's yeah. created this sales team without having a sales team. You yeah. Know? So now, now the next step of that is you've got people, they familiarize themselves with your brand and with the quality of your product. So now you can check that box. You don't have to sell them anymore on that. Now come up with incentives. So... You know, you got 100 people, but it's the 80-20. 20 of, 20% of them probably do 80% of the volume, right? Go to your 20 percenters and say, hey, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this to the next level. What would be an incentive that would just rock your world? What, what could I do for you to incentivize you to show my product more? Because believe me, these people, they've got a briefcase of all kinds of goods and items. What do you have to do to get them to pull your product out first? Okay, because they're salesmen. Okay, they're all tin men, right? So they're selling. So give, give them, ask them, rather than you telling them, hey, guys. And some of them you've probably become friends with yeah. where you can have a conversation with them say, look, give me a, what? So if I'm going to try to motivate a guy like you to show my product more, because look, at the end of the day, 
the more eyeballs your product sees, the more units you sell. Right. I mean, that's it. And even if you got to make a little skinnier margin or incentivize them on the back end for volume, if a guy did, I'm just going to pick a number. If a guy did 10,000 with you in sales and you said, hey, tell you what, this year, and I don't know what your margins are in the cigar business, but you say, look, this year, if you do 14,000, I'll give you X. Okay. Maybe it's $1,000. Once again, I don't, you don't know your margins, right? But make it be meaningful enough to them. And don't pay, don't pay them that on box number one. They've got to get to 14,000. So if you see that a guy is on path to do that, make sure that you're escrowing the money on the sidelines so you don't, so you don't feel blindsided when the guy, oh shit, he hit his 14 grand. Now I got to write him an extra check for a grand for his efforts, right? Or, you know, leverage your friends, get trips, you know, say, look, I'll bring, you guys do this, come to Miami. I'll take you out for a nice dinner. We'll go out on a, on a yacht and blah, blah, blah. Know your friends, brother. Yeah. Growth hacks, right? Know your friends. Know your friends. I would totally let, I would totally let you bring some of your friends out on my boat. No problem. Let's go. Yeah. No, (laughs) right. I mean, that's what it is. Leverage your friends, right? Because your friends, your friends, if they're real friends, they want to help. Okay. So that's what I would do. Yeah. I appreciate that. And it's interesting insight because it just, it's thinking outside the box, right? You know, how can we help you sell? Like in this situation, like what can I do for you? I work for you because you're selling my product, right? Right. I love that thought process. And the really what you're saying is, look, I appreciate you've got so many things that you could pull out of your briefcase, but you show my product. And I want you to know that that doesn't go unnoticed. I appreciate that. When you look people in the eye and you say, look, I appreciate your effort. And, you know, I want to do something for you. What can we do? How can I incentivize? What kind of a incentive can I put in front of you where you're where you where you, I, I've got an opportunity to sell even more? I want you to share in the win with me, okay? Because they want look, they want to win, okay? That's they're selling your product because they're getting a commission. That's what they want to do. They want to sell more of whatever pays them the most. That's at the end of the day. If you're in sales, that's what you want. That's what right. they're focused on. Right. And yeah, it makes complete sense. Taking a step back, another topic I want to discuss is a little bit more broad as it relates to finances, right? You mentioned that we're in a turbulent time. You yeah. know, interest rates are through the roof. You know, that 2.75% mortgage I got in, back in 2020 doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You know? Wow. Um, hold on to that. Hold, hold on, on to that for one. For dear life, which is interesting because apparently it's creating a shortage now because people just don't want to give up that because so many people got it. Um, but anyways, like right now, if you're in a situation, where are you investing your money? Like, where do you recommend people be putting their money? You know, the, the, the buckets that people always think about is real estate, yeah. uh, stocks, crypto, you know, um, you know what? I mean, for me, this is a re- this is a really unpredictable time, and I think having some dry powder on the sidelines in times like this is not a bad idea. Personally, um, you know, real estate interest rates are high. It's easy to get rickshawed in real estate today. I mean, and I had I just sold a big development in in Idaho, but. I was on I was on a floating interest rate. I was had a property that was supposed to close. The closing got extended a year, okay? So think about that, a year. Interest rates went up about two and a half points in that one year because I was on a floating rate. I didn't think for a minute interest rates were gonna go through the roof. 
nor did I think that my closing date was going to get extended for a year. Well, I went from making 30 grand a month on this thing as I'm holding it. So I was like, no problem. You guys need to, you need to extend this for a year. No problem. I'll just make a cool 360. When the interest rates climbed, by the time the property closed, I was feeding that thing about 20 grand a month. Wow. Yeah. So it's a, it, it, it can happen just that fast because you can't go to your renters when the rent comes up for renewal. Yeah. You can increase the rent like we saw here in Florida, in Miami. But if they're already under a rent contract, you, you know, you can't go to them and start charging more. So I was underwater on that property and it, it was high stakes poker. It was a big development. It is what it is. Look, I swim in the deep end of the pool and not every, not everyone. Some are going to be bunt singles. Some are going to be home runs. Some are going to be strikeouts. It is what it is. Yeah. You know, that's just being in business. I guess the key is diversity. Have diversity. Don't, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. You're, you're going to be looking for trouble. Yeah, I was uh, a victim of the FTX scandal. <laughs> I, oh, had, no. I had money in, um, and it was, the story ends very good, but I had money in this thing called BlockFi. Yeah. And BlockFi, apparently, I didn't know this, but they took like a $400 million loan from FTX. So when that thing went kaput, yeah. it ended up downflowing into all these other organizations. Okay. So back in November of last year, they just froze my assets. And oh, now, no. just now, a year later, I just got everything back. And I was, I never knew if I was going to get it back. Wow. But it's a great example of you just never know right. what's going to happen. And having that diversification is interesting. Crypto, I... I owned crypto was it at one time was it like 60,000 or something it's crazy yeah right I think it was like 55,000 I, I don't know Scott you want to check that it was I thought it was damn near 60 grand but anyway and then it went down like down to like 19 like 19 or 20 I don't even know what it's at right now but I mean that whole crypto thing I own yeah, some 61, of it 61,000 61 yeah that was the high yeah and what is it today 27,000. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's coming. What, what, what was the low back there on the, the very low? Uh, no, go back like the first dip there. Keep going. Keep going to your right. Yeah. Keep going after the big, the big top right, right there. there. What is that? 16,604. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so a year ago, 16 grand, right now it's 27. Yeah. That's a wild, that's a wild game. You know, it's interesting. There's a yeah. lot of people too. I've met here in Miami that were like living large, when crypto went up yeah, and like great dudes, like guys that yeah. worked their whole life staked in that. I yeah. mean, they had millions and then you see them a year later and they're stressed. Yeah. Look, you know, Pablo, you know, Pablo. Okay. Yeah. So Pablo has a friend that literally got into crypto early, early. And I want to say he was like a billionaire, right? I mean, young guy, billionaire from it. And, um, I don't know where he's at today. I clearly still in good shape, but if you got into some of these at the right time, it you, you absolutely killed it. Yeah. That's not me. Right. I wish I could have one of those where you get in. <laughs> I miss every one of them. You know, I just, you know what I just did literally like maybe four or five months ago, I took just some side money and I bought, I bought Tesla, Amazon, Microsoft, um, let's see what NVIDIA? else. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the NVIDIA and uh, Facebook. I bought th those five. Okay. 
and uh, well, it's not Facebook anymore. It's what uh, met, met, Meta. Meta. Anyway, I bought those five. I thought, look, these are five companies that did, did I say Amazon is one of them. Um, these are companies that I think I think they make good choices. I think that they're going to be here. I think they're going to continue to grow. So I bought them all, and I think I'm down like twenty percent now. On, <laughs> I mean, these fuckers couldn't make a bad choice <laughs> until I got in. So I should have called all my friends and said, "Hey guys." I'm going in on these five. If you own any of it, sell it because it's gonna it's gonna do it. It's gonna tank. <laughs> but it's the Drake uh, curse. <laughs> it's you know what? But I look at them, and those are long term holds for me. Right. I, I think that they're gonna be fine, and and you know I think the long term five years from now you're gonna look at them and it's gonna be a good ROI. I wouldn't bet the farm on it, but for me, that's my own little dabbling into what am I putting my stuff in. I I always think. That real estate can be a good play. Personally, I don't think now is a good time for it. That's just me personally, right? right? So real estate can be a good specifically play. specifically because of the interest rates and I, because of the shortage. I think I think the volatility. I think when you're going into markets that have that have a a property shortage, the Miamis, the you know the Austin, Texases, the Nashvilles, when you go into these markets, the prices are so inflated, and I wonder at some point does the bubble break here? Look at Miami. I mean, just where my building is, if I sit on my back terrace, I think I see like 12 cranes, okay? I mean, I don't know who's going to fill all these buildings. I mean, these are, these are you know, thousand-unit buildings. These are not small little units. So A hurricane would really F shit up here. <laughs> right? How about it? Right? It's scary. I mean, it's, yeah. it, but it's the, it's the Florida man inside of all of us. Yeah. They keep, you know, yeah, I mean, but Miami, you know, it's still a great city. Great, Amazing. Great little melting Crazy pot. it took COVID to transform it. Right. Right. I mean, I guess it was really a hood and crazy before that. Like it was just yeah. not as, when not I, what it is now. Yeah. When I hear about, when I hear about what this city was like, even like 10, 15 years ago, it was, you know, far different than, yeah. than what we're living in, but it's all good. You know, here's another thought exercise question. What do you think's the fastest way for someone who just wanted to make a million dollars? How would you do it? Fastest way to make a million dollars. Wow. That's a that's a tough one because here's what I would do. It's you got to go out there you, to make a million dollars. It all depends what you're starting with. If you're starting with nothing, and it's going to you're going to have to come up with an idea that someone else is doing and try to somehow leverage a partnership and be the managing partner, the working part, the elbow grease of this effort so you can get some equity in that movement and then grow it to a place where it's going to have a high value. Maybe maybe you're going to participate in the business by the sweat equity you bring in. Maybe you get 25% equity. And can you take that company and make one plus one equal three? So when you exit it, you get... You know, maybe it's a few hundred grand. That's a great start. If you have a few hundred grand, now you've got something to work with. But when people are starting with nothing, you know, that's a big ask. How can I go make a million dollars? If you're starting with nothing, I say, look, how do I go? How can I save 50 grand? I mean, that's where I would be starting because if you could save 50, now we can probably scale that to where doubling whatever you did there you can get from 50 to 100 and you know and start exponentially doubling it but there's no easy money out there right and as much as people 
would you like like you to believe that that's the case? Whatever their persona is or what their whatever vibe they're throwing down, I think a lot of times when the music stops and you see this and and I, I've I've seen it with some of the people I've met in Miami, when I first came here they were they were really flashy and whatnot, but pretty soon, that whole facade it's a tough it's a tough vibe to keep rolling for sure. You know what I mean? I mean it's, you leave, you walk out of your house you spend two hundred dollars for real minimum for real. Miami is they're shameless. I mean. And they, they don't blink. They charge you 20% service just for pickup. Like right. You, you right. go pick something up at a restaurant. You, you they, pay they 20% care. extra. They don't care. They don't care. You know, it's, it's the craziest thing you've ever seen. I mean, when I go back up to Minnesota and coming here, completely different lifestyles. But honestly, every time I go up there, I'm like, man, this meal in Miami would be $600. I can't go out with Carolina. For us, if we have a bottle of wine and, and, and a couple of entrees, I mean, it's to your point, it's it's three $400 easy. You know, just thanks for playing. Yeah, thanks for playing. On a Tuesday night, you know, <laughs> yeah. like nothing. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, you, you have to uh, you have to be a certain character. You have to have your, your strategy. Like, I can't imagine coming here and like, like I don't know, just even, and when you want to party, it's bad. Yeah, like if you're if you're in a world where you just want to party, yeah, you gotta be careful, man. When I first moved to Miami here, and I was going out, even if I wasn't going out and, and hitting the sauce, but you know, you go out and you have a couple of drinks, yeah, a couple of drinks, and you're having dinner, and you're you know you're you're winking at girls, you're doing your thing, right? Like right. like we all do or did for sure. Um, did did you know? Emphasis. Yeah, did for Emphasis. damn sure. It's. Um, I mean, Carolina will come through this glass like a spider monkey. I think me. she's looking at us right now. I see you, girl. I see you. <laughs> but uh, you know that that's. I would spend literally, you know, a couple thousand dollars a week. You know, and because I'm the guys that the, the friends that I was going with. You know, I'm most of the time I'm picking up the tab. You know, so it just it just was. But I was here. I was I was living the Miami life, and then pretty soon you kind of settle in. You go, okay, well. I got that out of my system. Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. Yeah, I got that out of my system. I got that out of my system. Yeah. So now it's okay. a great place when you realize you're not missing out anymore. For sure. You know? Yeah. Because that's really yeah. what it comes down to. We went with a bunch of friends last week to Queen. Okay. Great place. Great, great, great restaurant over there on South Beach. And, um, and it was, but it was 10 couples, 10 couples, right? And it was 1,500 a couple. Okay. That's what it was, fifteen hundred. Damn. Yeah, right. That's a big meal. <laughs> it was more food than anyone ever needed. More food and drinks, you know. But it was, it was, it was fun to was do. Was it awesome? But what's that? Was it like legit? It was. It was. It was great. You know, it was great. The, you know, the group that we were with were very festive. So, you know, that's it, huge. Yeah, you got to be with good people. Good, good people, and they weren't. They're good little drinkers. So you know. You can ring up a pretty hefty bar tab when you're drinking tequila, good tequila and stuff. So, <laughs> you know, it was fun. I don't do it. I don't do it that often, so it's all right. Yeah, if every now and then. Yeah, it's like there's like I saw this meme and it's like, what's the biggest sign that you're getting older? And it's the hangover. Yeah, you know what? Unfortunately for me, with like with Carolina, I would much rather day drink. You know, honestly, I would rather day drink. For me, even when we go on vacation, we'll go to the beach clubs. Great music, have a few cocktails, have lunch, get, get some sun, do a little late afternoon shopping, and then and then have dinner. And then we're like in our hotel room at nine watching Netflix, you know, and we're totally fine with that. <laughs> that is perfect for us. It doesn't matter if we're in Mykonos or where we're at. It's 
We love it. That's it, man. Good people, good energy, good yeah. vibes. And that's that's Peter Taunton in a nutshell. It's so great to have you back, man. And how's the pup, by the way? Oh, Nina, she's great. She's a pistol. She's two now. So, yeah, she's... Did you get a dog or was that your dad that got My a dog? My dad got the dog. Okay. But he's going to be living here for two months. Okay. So Rocket's going to be here. German Shorehead Pointer. That's what I was to say. Trained a bird dog. Yeah, that is so cool. He's a bad... Every day my dad goes and shoots birds and really? has Rocket with them. Yeah. He's so happy, I, man. He's I love so it. He's so happy. Yeah. What's he going to do here for two months? I'm just... I'm going to try to sell him on it. I'm just going to okay. try to sell him on this. Where, where does he live now? New York still, Albany, okay. like the house I grew up in for 30 years. Okay. You know? Yeah. He's still there. And uh, Boy, it's just, it's so, so wild, right? You know, my mom passed and, you know, he, his dog died, Riley, like five months before that. And that killed him. Like when yeah. his dog, like, uh, I don't know if it's just when your dog dies and you yeah. have a bond. I mean, that it's like losing. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, he was just so, just didn't know what to do with his time. Yeah. Right. And he, he had given up drinking cause he realized that's a terrible idea. And once he got that dog, everything changed. He is Mr. Bubbly, happy, stoked on life, man. Really? Like he doesn't have a bad day, a bad moment, a bad anything. Isn't that awesome? And it, I think it's just being able to pour your love into something. Yeah. And I tell you what, dogs, especially dogs, unconditional love coming back. You know what I mean? That's, that's pretty beautiful. That, that reciprocation of love for, for dogs. I know, Nina, I can go down in the lobby, get the mail, come back. It's like I've been away at war. Yeah. <laughs> she she got no t perspective of time. I'm like, if you ever get another dog, you got to name him Sorbet. Sorbet. <laughs> <laughs> you know a dog I'd love to get? I'd love to get a golden retriever. You would? I would. They're apparently the world's love, loveliest dogs. Yeah, I've I've had a, a couple of them. I could see they, with a they, big dog. They, they shed like crazy. They shed like crazy. I wish I could get one. I wish I could figure out the shedding piece. You know, but you can, you just have to get the services where they roll in every two weeks and just like, I think that. you gotta, I think you gotta brush those bad boys out like every, every other day. Well, for sure. But I mean, I, yeah. it might be, you might be the type that's into some heavy petting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Maybe we'll see. We do. We'll see. But, uh, but man, it's so great to see you. Yeah. This has been a great pod. Yeah. This is the damn good day show. Anything else you'd want to share no. before we bounce you out? You know what, man? It's always great to see you. I love your new digs. I love your new studio here. Comes as no surprise. Congrats on all your success. It's so well-deserved with your cigar biz. I keep watching that from an arm's length. And, and uh, you know, you're, you're going to go far in whatever you do. Just keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. And likewise, I appreciate your mentorship, your guidance. And let's play some pickleball, bro. Let's, let's get do. back at it. And golf. Yeah, we were, let's golf. play some golf. I, I was so happy to hear that those sticks out in front are yours. Yeah, I'm like, bro, first step. <laughs> you didn't step. waste any time. Yeah, no, I, you literally, I, I committed. This guy came out and he looks at the, the clubs. He's like. It's like a week and a half ago. I said, hey, dude, you, do you golf, right? I thought it was a long shot. No, but I'd like to. And I said, well, you know, Steve. Well, we got into pickleball Steve together. To do yeah. right. Let's do I it. I think the play is they just get a lesson, though. Like, I need to just get yeah. a few lessons. I just need to get my stroke. Get a lesson because if you're if you're going out there and just having bad bad practice. You're not getting better. You're just getting you're, worse. You're just practicing bad bad practice, yeah. okay? But today, man, follow, follow some Instagram of these things. I follow Instagram golfers. You're going to get some great nuggets. No joke. And YouTube. You'll, you'll learn a lot from just that, realistically. Love that. Do it. Let's for sure. Do it. You know I will. Yeah, do it. All right. It's been real, brother. Yeah, thanks, Take care. man.